You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jude, in your Bibles, and we uh, looked at a few verses this morning, I'd like to draw your attention to verse number 22. We talked about this this morning, and then we'll go through verse 25. And thank you, instrumentalists, for uh, all of the music tonight. And thank you for being faithful, all of you, for being here tonight on this Sunday night. And I'm looking forward to a great week. If you've never uh, heard Brother Lou Rossi, you're in for a treat. Uh, Brother Rossi was an evangelist for years. He's pastored for years as well. And uh, he is now, he is the pastor uh, of the um, Granite Baptist Church uh, in uh, right outside of Baltimore, Maryland. And he's just a great great man of God, and I know it would be a blessing uh, for you to hear him this week. It says in verse number 22 of the book of Jude, and of some have compassion, making a difference. We talked about that this morning, that uh, may God give us compassion for souls. I'm glad somebody had compassion on me. I'm glad somebody cared enough to share the gospel with me. Compassion makes the difference, and may God uh, uh, forgive us for our complacency, Many times we get casual, uh, we get comfortable, and uh, what we need is we need a heart of compassion. Verse 23, and others save with fear, or others rescue uh, because of the fear or the dread they have. They don't want to see anybody go to hell. And I think people need to know the truth, and people need to understand that the Bible is very clear, that when a person dies, they go to heaven, they go to hell, and there's no in-between. And uh, if, if, if a person does not receive Jesus Christ as Savior, doesn't matter what else they do, doesn't matter, they could have a list of good works three miles long. All of those good works will not be enough to save a soul from hell because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so there are those who save, uh, rescue uh, souls with, with fear because they don't want to see anybody go to hell. And many souls come to Christ because they realize their eternal destiny without Christ. But then we get to verse number 23, the second part of the verse. It says, hating even the garment that is spotted by the flesh. It's an interesting description there. It goes on to say in verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you or to prevent you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and and ever. Amen. Lord, speak to our hearts, we pray, in these next few moments. Help us, uh, Lord, to see these truths and see how they apply to our own lives. And I pray that these truths would help us as we are living in the last days. I pray that we would recognize the urgency. I pray that we would see the need, and I pray we would do all we can so that when we stand before that judgment seat of Christ, we will be able to say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I've kept the faith. May we be able to say that we did our best 
to serve you and to glorify you and to reach people with the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We said this morning, we said that in these last days, there must be spirit-filling. We need Christians that are spirit-filled. Uh, we can't afford Christians that are just operating in the flesh. Uh, we can't afford to just be going through the motions. Uh, I said it this morning, but I'll say it again tonight. Uh, for the sake of our workers, many of you were out this morning on bus routes and junior churches. But we need every worker to be spirit-filled. When you come on this property to teach a class or to preach a sermon or to sing a special or work in a nursery or uh, to, uh, to serve in a junior church or work in a master club, whatever it is, when you go out soul winning, when you go out visiting, uh, when you uh, uh, take some time to help and encourage people, we need Christians that are spirit-filled. We said we must do some self-examining. We're going to have to build up ourselves and keep ourselves, not by ourselves, but through the power of Almighty God. And then we said this morning, we must be soul conscious. We must be always aware that people need the Lord. Did you know there are some people you'll talk to and on the outset, you might think, oh, I think this person's saved. And the more you talk to them, the more you realize they're not saved. They're trusting their church membership or they're trusting their good works or, or maybe they don't have a clue. But you can't judge a book by its cover when it comes to someone's eternity. Uh, you you got to make sure that people know the Lord as Savior. And then tonight, I want you to see number four. I believe living in, this, in these last days, there must be some sin hating. You see, loving God and hating sin go hand in hand. I don't believe you can love God like you should unless you hate sin like God hates it. I don't believe that uh, you can have a Christian who is spirit-filled, who is also living a life of sin. We said it this morning, but the Holy Spirit cannot fill and control a dirty vessel. And so if we're going to be soul conscious, that means we're going to have to have a hatred and we're going to have to have a, a, a loathing and a detesting of sin because it was sin that put Jesus on the cross. It is sin that sends us to hell. Sin is not something that we want to try to coddle. It's not something we want to try to adapt to our life. Sin is something we want to get rid of. Notice the example given in verse number 23. It says, hating even the garment that is spotted by the flesh. Now, I, I think most of us are like this, but if you have a nice uh, garment, let's say you have a, uh, a nice uh, suit, fellas, you have a nice suit of clothes, or ladies, you have a nice dress, and uh, you, you go out to eat, and sure enough, you get something all over that garment. And it's just, it's all over. And it's not, it's not little uh, it's big, it's, it's awful, and, and you don't like that. You don't appreciate it. Uh, you're probably not going to wear it again until you get it clean, right? And you hope it will come out, hope the stain will come out. But we're not talking about a garment that is spotted with food. We're not talking about a garment that is spotted with a stain. This verse is in reference to the book of Leviticus. And in the book of Leviticus, when there was someone who had a disease, a contagious disease, then they would have to take that garment 
and they would have to wash that garment thoroughly before they ever put it back on. As a matter of fact, not only did they have to wash the garment, they had to wash themselves. They would have to bathe. And it wasn't just if someone came in direct contact, but if someone came through with the disease and somebody came through and they sat on this chair and then they got up and they left and I came through and I sat on the chair not knowing and not even seeing anything there, but I sat on that chair. You could come and say, Pastor, that chair is unclean. And you just sat on that chair. You've got to go home. You've got to wash your garments. You've got to wash your body. And still, in the Old Testament laws, you yourself would be unclean until that evening. So this was a serious matter. And can I tell you, that's what sin is. Sin is not a stain of ketchup. Uh, a sin is not a stain of spaghetti sauce. Sin is a spot of a disease that is contagious. And we ought to have such a hatred, of course a hatred for sin, but we ought to have a hatred even for the garment that is spotted by the flesh. You see, sin must be cleansed. Sin must be forsaken. Sin must be confessed. Sin must be avoided. If I knew that there was some contagious uh, bacteria up here on this platform, I promise you this, I would not be walking up on this platform and I wouldn't be running my hand along the handrail. I wouldn't be licking my fingers. Uh, I wouldn't be seeing how close I could get and how much of it I could get on me. I'd be staying away. And I promise you this, when we had somebody come in to address the situation, they'd be coming in in a suit. Uh, before COVID, I remember uh, many times going to hospitals and many times they'd have a sign on the door and say, every visitor must have a gown. Every visitor must have a mask. Every visitor must have gloves. And if you're going to go into this room, you have got to be suited up. Well, can I tell you, there's a disease out there. It's called sin and it's contagious and it's deadly, and it's awful. And as Christians, we must have a hatred for sin, and we must take sin seriously. You see the flesh here, a garment spotted by the flesh. The flesh is our old sinful nature. Many times we hate sin, but we only hate the sin of others. Because the sin of others, that's the bad stuff. But our sin's not so bad. Our sin's not that big of a deal, or so we think. But listen to me, if you would, as I read Proverbs 8, 13. The Bible says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. Can I tell you, we got to get back to the fear of God where we have a hatred for sin. You say, well, what does this have to do with souls? What does this have to do with missions? Well, I'll tell you what it has to do. If you and I love God, we're going to hate sin. If we have a compassion for souls, we are going to have to have a hatred for sin. Here's why. Because sin blinds you. So a person who is in sin and a person who is backslidden, they have no burden for souls. A person who uh, is, is, is messed up in sin and the world and the flesh and all of those things, they don't care about the mission field. 
They don't care about the Sunday school class. They don't care about the bus route. They don't care about the ministry. All they care about is themselves. But when we get right with God and when we confess our sin and we realize how much we need God and we realize that God has a plan for our lives, that's when we get serious about verse number 22, making a difference. That's when we get serious, verse 23, about saving and rescuing people from the fire of hell. You see, if you love God, you're going to hate sin. I'll give you an illustration. And I don't think this is a secret. I think, we, I think you've heard me talk about this before. But there are, there are some things that my wife hates. And I'm not on the list, thankfully, in case you were wondering. But uh, not yet. But my wife hates snakes with a passion. Um, when, when we were in Illinois um, and even in Iowa, I don't, I, we never really saw snakes. There'd be little garden snakes and all that, but nothing, you know, no, um, you know, copperheads or, you know, those kinds of snakes or whatever. Really not even the big black snakes like we have around here. There have been a few times where we've had snakes in our yard. And by the time I get there, Joanna's trying to point out the snake, but I don't, there's not even a snake left. By the time she gets done with it, I mean, it is, it is obliterated. I mean, it is gone. And there's a crater in the yard, but there is no snake. It's gone. It's dead. And so if I love my wife, and I do, I am not going to go over to the pet store. And I'm not going to go pick out a pet snake. And I'm not going to bring that pet snake home and say, Joanna, now I do love you, but I really love snakes too. And I just thought this would be the perfect pet for our home. Can I tell you what would happen? Both me and that snake, we would be out that front door. I will promise you that. It's not going to happen. Those, the, my wife and, and a snake are not going to be in the same house. Uh, if she knows about it. But can I tell you, if I love her, I'm going to hate the things that she hates. I'm going to hate the things that hurt her. You say, well, how does a snake hurt her? It hurts her. It hurts her head. I mean, it hurts her whole body. I mean, it, it hurts her. You, you just She doesn't want it around. And so I'm not going to get a pet snake. I'm not going to go get a bunch of rubber snakes from the dollar store and have them all around the house. I'm not going to post pictures of snakes. I'm not going to even watch a documentary on snakes for fear that she will walk through and she will see it and she will scream at the sight of a snake. I promise you, that's how much she hates it. So if I know that she hates something, if I know there's something that hurts her, that, that bothers her, that irritates her, if I love her, I'm not going to love the things or I'm not going to be doing the things that she hates. I think the same is true with our relationship with God. If we really love God, we can't love sin at the same time. No man can serve two masters. It's either, it's either one or the other. You can't, you can't straddle the fence. You've got to make a decision to love God with all your heart soul, mind, and strength. That's the first commandment, to love God. And then the second is like unto it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. When you love God like you should, you're going to love people like you should. And when you love people, you're going to care about their souls. 
You see, we often justify our sins and sometimes we like to treat the sin like we would treat a pet. I, I remember uh, when I was growing up, I remember hearing about, I guess it was my teen years probably, but this man uh, named Steve Irwin. Remember Steve Irwin? It was called the Crocodile Hunter. Remember that? Well, he didn't really hunt, hunt him. He just liked to wrestle him, you know. He just liked to pet him. And, and, and he would be on there and he'd be on these safaris and he would, he would hold poisonous, uh, venomous snakes. He would hold them. Uh, he, would, he would go after wild, uh, vicious animals and he would get them on video. He'd see how close he could get to the head of a crocodile. Uh, you know, he'd, he'd, there's video of him kissing crocodiles. I mean, I'm not talking about in a zoo. I'm talking about out in the wild. This guy was crazy. And you know what he would do is he'd get so close and he really got comfortable with animals that were deadly. And then you know the story, but eventually he lost his life. They were filming off the coast of Australia. And you know what's amazing to me is that it wasn't a snake. It wasn't a crocodile. It wasn't even something that you would expect, but it was a stingray. Uh, I think there's just a handful of, of, of deaths from stingrays every year. Oftentimes, maybe it'd be in a, a hand or a foot, you know, out in the ocean or something, but that stingray, he somehow got too close to that stingray, not knowing, and that stingray uh, literally punctured his heart. Medical experts say that it's, it's very similar to being stabbed with a knife. And can I tell you, that's the way sin works. You think you're okay. You think you got it under control. You think it'll never hurt you. You think that it's going to be, uh, you know, something that's fine. But can I tell you, sin has consequences. We should hate our sin. Samson found out that sin has consequences. When we sin, it hurts the cause of Christ. When we sin, it hurts our testimony. When we sin, it keeps the gospel from getting out like it could or like it should if we would be right with God. Psalm 101, verse 3, David said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. David said in Psalm 119, I hate every false way. He said in 113, I hate vain thoughts. Verse 163 of Psalm 119, David said, I hate and abhor lying. May God help us to hate sin. Doesn't mean that we get to a point where we're sinless. We, we know, Brother Fry, you talked about that in Sunday school. Even the Apostle Paul, he said he battled with it all the time. He said, the things that I should do, I don't do. And the things that I shouldn't do, those are the things I do. And there was a battle in him. And every day there must be a battle that we fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil in the power of Almighty God. But if we're going to live for Christ in these last days, we must be sin-hating. And then lastly, number five, I see in this passage, I see that we must be Savior-sensitive. We must be sensitive to what God wants and what pleases Him. Verse number 24, it says, "...unto Him that is able to keep you from falling." and presents you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. I see, number one, we're sensitive to the Savior by looking to Him. It says up in uh, verse number uh, 21, uh, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, don't ever forget the day you got saved. Don't forget the mercy of God, but don't forget that we need God's mercy every day. Keep looking to Him. 
And then I see number two, we must rely on him. It says that he is able to keep you from falling. And we sometimes think about a fall and we think about something that is major. We think about maybe uh, falling and breaking a bone or falling and, you know, getting knocked out. But this word falling, it literally means stumbling. Aren't you glad that God is able to keep you? He's able to guard you every step of the way. God is able to help you with the big things, but he's also able to help you with the little things. God is able to keep you and keep me and protect us from falling. Falling can be a minor thing, but it can also be a major thing. But God is able to keep you. I'm thankful that he is able. I'm not able to walk. I'm not able to keep myself propped up, but I'm glad that God is able to keep me from falling. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We need God. He's able. And then I see number three, we're sensitive to the Savior by pleasing him. It says that he is able to present us faultless. Now, this is not a trick question. So my hand is already up. But how many of you have some faults? Do you have any faults? Okay, good. I'm glad your hands are up. I'm glad I'm not the only one. We all have faults. You see, a person with faults is not going to be, be able to help someone else be faultless, right? Uh, an imperfect person is not going to be able to help someone else be perfect. But can I tell you, what Jesus is doing is he's working to present us to the Father. And when he presents us to the Father, the Father doesn't see us, but the Father sees the Son. The Father sees the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus is perfect. It's precious. It's without blemish and without spot. And so we see that Jesus is faultless. Pilate even said when Jesus stood before him in trial, Pilate said, I find no fault in him. And Pilate was exactly right. Jesus has never made a mistake. He doesn't have a fault. He's never made an error. And he's able to present you and me faultless before the throne of God. And only a faultless, sinless Savior can present you faultless before God. Next, we see that when we're sensitive to him, we are rejoicing in him. The Bible says that we are presented faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That word exceeding, it means extreme joy. The Bible tells us that God is our exceeding joy in Psalm 43. The Bible says that when the wise men, when they were following that star and they lost sight of it for a while, but it says when they saw the star, they saw the star that was leading them to Jesus. The Bible says they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. You know what brings great joy? Only Jesus brings great joy. Only Jesus can bring that extreme joy. And when we are sensitive to what he wants, we can experience joy in our lives. Next, we're sensitive to him by acknowledging him. It says in verse 25, to the only wise God, our Savior. That word only means he's the only one. He alone is God. There is no other God. He's the only one. And guess what? He is a wise, all-knowing God. He knows what you need. He knows what I need. He knows what you need to do this week. He knows what I need to do this week. And he'll lead you and he'll guide you. He'll give you wisdom if you'll ask him, if you'll acknowledge him. We see acknowledging him. And then lastly, we see praising him. 
when we're sensitive to the Savior, we want to do only those things that bring praise and honor to the Lord. It says, to Him, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Now, I know that we are going to praise God forever, right? Uh, we've got that part covered. Because in heaven, for all of eternity, you know what we're going to be doing? We're going to be praising God. We're going to be having the time of our lives rejoicing and praising God and worshiping Him forever. So we've got that part covered. But here's the part that I need to work on. It says not only forever, but it says also right now. And I want to tell you this. I want to right now be praising God. I want to, at this point in my life, at this moment in my life, this chapter of my life, I want to praise God. I don't want to just praise Him with my mouth, although uh, we ought to praise Him with our mouth. How many of you agree it's a good thing to praise Him with your mouth? you agree with that? But how many think it'd also be good if we not only praise Him with our mouth, but if we praise Him with our life, if we praise Him with our walk? Can I tell you, let's praise Him right now. And when Jesus Christ is praised and when Jesus Christ is glorified, that is when people come to Christ. I believe the best advertisement, the best thing we could do for a world out there that is lost is to be a people that are right with God and praising God. You know what people are going to see? They're going to see a difference that Jesus made in you. They're going to see a difference that he made in me. And when people see the difference that Jesus made in your life, they're going to say, that's what I need. May God help us to do that. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.